Did either of you know much about uh, Jesus before before he joined City? <laughs> Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. You disappoint me, Lester. Ah, it's such f***ing hopes for us. You were going to relive the fairy tale. You were going to make all those sceptics look foolish once again. You were going to give the rest of us skittle-swigging vodka fiends hope that one day we too could be a Premier League star. We're not angry, though. Just disappointed. Like that time we tried Fruit Stripe Gum or that time Philip Lamb retired for the second time. Here to talk about all of that and more is Fabian Gorsler. Hey. And Andre Gonzalvish. Hello. Both well-respected members of the One Football Newsroom team. Before we get cracking on the football talk, let's have some iTunes talk. Wherever you are in the world, please go to your local iTunes store. Please give us that rating and please leave a comment to let us know what you think of the pod. It would, as ever, be most appreciated. Now on to the football. And let's ring up Nico. Uh, we mentioned Philip Lamb in the intro and it's with him that we kick off today's podcast. On Tuesday, at the age of 33, with time still left on his contract, the German World Cup winner has announced that he will be retiring at the end of the season. He said, I can continue with my leadership style, giving my best every day in every training session until the end of the season, but not beyond. There are no plans beyond the summer. I will be a private person, which means I can devote myself to other things. I love football and the sport has given me so much. Hopefully the last few months will be successful, but I want to end my career on my own terms. Nico Durbin couldn't make it to the studio to talk about this, but does join us on the phone. Nico, what's your, your reaction to the news? Um, I'm a little bit disappointed, obviously. I mean, um, Philip Lam, he's our captain of the, of the World Cup uh, winning squad. And um, I still see him as one of the best right back and he's he's also still a really good um, central midfielder, if you ask me. So I'm disappointed um, because I would love to see him um, in the squad of Bayern Munich and of our national team. But I also understand that a little bit in terms of I like he's that kind of person who who would make that decision. In what way? Well, he's he's quite robotic. I want to say almost, you know, like he he's really head driven, also really smart. Um, Pep Guardiola once named him the the smartest player he ever coached. But um, he, he would be a good politician, I think. <laughs> you know, he never <laughs> leaves the path of political correctness. Right. Did did it come as any surprise to you? Um. Not, I mean, not really. That's that's the Philip Lam we know, right? He never really was somebody who would speak out loud what what he actually thinks or what his emotions are. Like he's really controlled. Um, also on the pitch, um, he was he was never a player that lived or succeeded by his his temperament. You know, like he was really um, a really he's a really tactical player. He's a really um, decisive player he makes good decisions and he's also not scared to make decisions you know I think it shows also his value for for the future of, of German football you know if he becomes an official one day which I'm sure he will either for the national team or for Bayern Munich um, he's not afraid to make decisions um, at the end of the day so I'm, I'm looking forward to that already despite being disappointed of of um, losing him as a player. Uh, he says he has no plans for now, but you'd, you'd expect him to be involved in, in, in the Munich or the Germany setup in the future though, right? 
Absolutely, absolutely. I think he doesn't really know for himself um, whether he's going to to, um, become a coach uh, or if he's going to become more the manager. Um, I, I think he doesn't want to make a premature decision on that. And he has all the rights to not to. Um, at the end of the day, I see him. Honestly, I see him maybe uh, more for the DFB or more for the German national team than I see him um, in Munich. Because he's already turned down the, the sporting director role too, right? Yeah, he, he turned it down for now. Right. And that would be, I think that would be too early. You know, he, he's probably not ready for that. And he doesn't want to burn his name um, immediately after his professional career. You know what I mean? Like there's so much going on and I think he needs to organize himself before he commits to something like that. Because once you are um, sport director or manager um, for Bayern Munich, you, you're not going to stop um, for 20 years usually if you do it good. Okay, and uh, I don't think he's ready for that kind of job. Uh, we we know you're busy, so we're we're gonna let you go. But one more question: How do you think he'll be remembered as a player? Uh, I will certainly always remember his goal and the World Cup 2006 um, from outside the box in the top right corner. Um, I remember how I celebrated that goal with all my friends, and that's for me now looking back one of the the moments where. Um, yeah, German football history changed a bit for the good. Like that World Cup in in our like that World Cup as a host, and then the following tournaments turned out to be really successful for us. And yeah, in my in my memory at least, that was the starting point. So that was Nico Durbin from the One Football Newsroom. Uh, so 501 games for Bayern, 113 German caps, 21 major trophies, zero red cards. Philip Lamb, what a player. Yeah, I mean, Nico said it, one of the best right backs in a very, very long time, not just for Germany or Bayern, but uh, worldwide. worldwide. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, you know, great player, great person as well. Um, you know, reserved, uh, private, but also, you know, does some cool things like he's spoken out uh, against homophobia in football or in sports in general. I, th- I think that's really cool. Um, the only thing that kind of maybe pissed me off a little bit about Philip Lahm in the, in recent years was his haircut. His, well, that, that of the course, fact that it never changed. That, well, that, I mean, that's kind of amazing too. Yeah. Um, but the fact that he was so intent on playing as a central midfielder, just because, you know, Guardiola thought, Oh, this dude is really intelligent. It's that, it's that mentality of pushing all the best players into the center of the pitch. And I get why you would want to do that, but then it leaves you weak in the position where they're one of the best in the world. And I think the German national team did suffer because of that. So that left a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth because he was very, very intent and was almost forced by injuries to play in his natural position. It's interesting that Nico said that, that that goal against Costa Rica in the 2006 World Cup because when I thought back about Lamb's career, that's the first thing that came to my mind was that absolute belter. Oh, but it, it, was, it was already uh, recognized by everyone as one of the best uh, fullbacks. Right, but in, I think that's, that might be the first time he came across my, my conscience. Yeah. That time. It, it was, it was uh, unbelievable. Uh, playing so well for so many years uh, at the top 
Um, it, it's incredible if you think about it. You don't find players like this very often. Is a one of a kind and is uh, a great leader, and sometimes a bit boring. As a, <laughs> it's it's not it's not a superstar. It is not the the kind of a of a player that sells newspapers. I would say no, but. Um, is a rock, and this is the kind of players that when when in in twenty years when you look back, this is the kind of uh, players that well we want we miss like like the Javier Zanetti with uh, with uh, Argentina and, yeah. and Inter and uh, the Dennis Irwins. The, exactly, players uh, there are that are solid like a rock, and uh, they they gave a lot to the game. Right. Uh, Philip Lam is one of those. Okay, with that out of the way, it's time to focus on Spain. Wednesday night saw some hot Copa del Rey action, action that resulted with Barca progressing to the final and plenty of controversy. Hey, Andre, another, another one, another one. It just one. keeps on going. It's, uh, it never stops. For it's those who for those who missed out, what happened? Um, let's just say that it was um, a very questionable refereeing yesterday, um, mostly because there was a completely legal uh, goal. Uh, from Griezmann, taken away by the the linesman, and also what, what's, <laughs> just to talk about the goal for a second. What score was the match at when when Griezmann scored? One nil. It was one nil. So it would have been. Yeah. A, it could have been with plenty of time left on the clock. Exactly, and uh, and then um, Luis Suarez was uh, sent off, and I still I'm I'm still trying to figure out what what ha- what the hell happened mm-hmm. to, for him to send off. Uh, really weird. It was a very very weird. Um, refereeing yesterday so i watched uh, apart from that <laughs> barca are in the in the final but luis suarez and sergio roberto are not uh in theory they're not going to play because they're both sent off yesterday right i watched the suarez sending off about three or four times could you understand i still can't get it me neither it, it just did you watch it no, I didn't watch it. No, I haven't seen it. But um, you guys talking about it now makes me want to see it. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, uh, was, that was the, the main idea behind it. I think it was for leading with the elbow, perhaps? Probably, but I, I'm not even sure if he, if, if the elbow touches um, the, the Atleti, Atleti player. I'm, I'm not even sure, honestly. It, it was really weird. But it doesn't have to touch the player for it to be But uh, it, was, it wasn't or... a jump. It, it was just... Um, Right, but but he has a history. He, he, he turned he it up like really, really quickly and started to run, and then the the athletic player just went down. Okay, uh, there might have been play acting, but he has a history, and if the referee thinks that there was intent or might have been intent, I think. But he does this have is the really unfair. Up. The whole history behind the the player, I he is never. Uh, it was never violent playing football in in, in Spain, and he he had those. Biting problems. Uh, apparently, he over over overcome that. So he's he sunk his teeth into that problem. And- exactly. <laughs> so besides that, uh, if 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 it was a send off for uh, historic reasons, it was just stupid. It doesn't make any sense. One of the other decisions of the night that was a bit controversial was the uh, penalty given away by Gerard Piquet. A- another one I've watched five or six times, and I it, can't decide if that was a penalty. It, it doesn't look like it. Uh, to me, it doesn't look like it. But I can see why the decision was given from the angle of the referee. That's, it looked that's like the, it. the thing. Uh, I think that the referee was not well positioned to uh, deliver like a very, very good decision on that play. So he he thought it it was it was a penalty. So I I can understand why he he, he called that decision, but 
the send off and the how oh, man the 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 offside the Griezmann offside is just unbelievable. He is onside more than a meter. The uh, the so the refereeing was terrible, but there was actually some really beautiful football played. It was a, it was a good match. It was a good match. And and uh, I you have wanted to, say, to talk about the Griezmann assist. Yeah, it's it's uh, something that we we talked about on um, off. It is the kind of of play that you would expect from uh, a normal player. It, it it's not really common to see such an intelligent play like that because. The 99% of, uh, of the players that we know would take a shot on that position. So for those for those who missed out, what happened was Griezmann got the ball around the edge of the six-yard box. A classic example of where you would shoot to the far corner of exactly. the goal. But instead he squared for, um, Gamero. for Gamero and Gamero had an easy tap in. Exactly, just that, just brilliant. And uh, he doesn't even see Gamero because he knows that is going to show up there so the it's everything is brilliant about that 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 play that pass it's absolutely brilliant and messi had a beautiful free kick too that was a yeah. lick of paint from going under the bar true and it, we have to we have to be fair and uh yesterday uh barca were far from their best and they had probably three situations or, or four that went Possibly they could have scored, and they they scored once. And th there's that absolutely fantastic free kick from uh, from Messi, mm -hmm. and they suffer. Uh, they suffer a lot. And um, uh, Luis Enrique said in the preview of the match, uh, "We're gonna we're gonna suffer <laughs> because Atleti they they know what to do to to make us suffer." And I'm I'm ready to suffer. I'll bring it in. And and it happened. It was just like that. Okay, well, that's enough about Barcelona. Uh, going back to last weekend, one of the more eye-opening results was Valencia's 4-0 loss to Ibar at home. I mean, no shame really losing to, losing to Ibar, who are a decent side, but it's the manner in which they lost. We could say... There was no fight. There was no nothing to Valencia, was there? Um, there's been no nothing in Valencia for a while. You might we say could, uh, we can say so many uh, things about Valencia, and almost every single one is like a terrible thing to say about them. I mean, it, it they're sinking without a trace, and it's almost like it's a it's a place where good things or good people go to die. You know, <laughs> it's it's not like they have. It's oh. like a cemetery of planes, right? Like it's not like why why are we talking about this? Why are we so um, so shocked by what's happening because their squad is actually better than their position in the table or their their and, results show and also the the history of the club yeah and, exactly uh, and uh, the supporters and everything that the club did in the past 20 years is kind of remarkable if you think about it they went to um two finals of the, of the champions league they won the la liga several times they they were a solid team in the champions league every single year and now they're fighting to avoid a relegation And with uh, a new owner who uh, apparently has no idea <laughs> what he's doing. <laughs> well, he hasn't been to the club. He hasn't been to see his team for over a year. That's that's one of the things. Uh, I, I it really it really bothers me that you have owners of clubs that they just bought something like uh, I don't know. You it's the same thing. You you bought. Imagine that you bought a jersey. Right. And you wore that jersey for one day, and you thought, oh, "This is a quite nice jersey." But then you never gonna wear that jersey again. That basically, Pitilim did that with uh, with um, um, Valencia, despite investing millions and millions in them. 
Yeah, and it basically saved that not not everything is terrible about Peter Lim. He saved Valencia from bankruptcy because um, at the time when when Amadeo Salvo uh, sold the club, they were in serious serious debt, and uh, and Peter Lim saved the club. But since then, he promised a lot of things and he didn't deliver. He promised that the team would be fighting for La Liga in uh, three years. Uh, It's been uh, three years. It's been a while since they're in, uh, they're fighting to avoid relegation. So it's a bit different. Um, there are a lot of overpriced players on that team. They they uh, spend um, 30 million uh, in Rodrigo, 30 million in Negredo, uh, 22 million in Abnedur. Uh, Cancelo was brought from Benfica. It was proved as a great player but it was brought from the B team of Benfica basically from 15 million euros um for a B team player yeah and uh he, it's 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 really connected to one man called George Mendes which is a very good friend of Peter Lim as we know and uh he has a lot of power in several clubs mm-hmm. um and Valencia are one of those. A lot of blame has to lie to players, though. I mean, this is something that um, Prandelli was pointing out in one of his press conferences. He said, "Look, players lack of passion. Yeah, that players aren't working hard. You don't have a uh, you don't have a single player in the team uh, that knows uh, what is Valencia. You don't have a symbol in the club right now. And if you look back, there was always someone in the club like a symbol." You don't have to go that far away. You just remember Baraja and Alvelda, and even Carlos Marchena was not a native from Valencia, but he knew the club. And now you don't have anyone. You have probably the closest thing to that would be Gaia, the left back. And there's a kid coming from the B team, Soler. He's from Valencia, and he, he has been in the, in the, the academy for a while. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, you don't have symbols. That's that's a problem. A kid and a left back. It's not much to build a club on. Uh, no, not at all. Right. And just when things couldn't get worse for them, they go and sign Simone Zaza. Eh? <laughs> I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's Zaza is that bad, uh, and he could be useful in. Uh, Some moments, I would say. Just don't let him take the penalties. Don't don't let him take the penalties, please. Uh, apart from that, it could be useful. They also signed Orellana, uh, who had some problems at at Celta, and he was doing a quite good, quite interesting season. Um, but the problem with Valencia def- is definitely not the squad. It, it it is way beyond that. It's the whole structure of it's, the club. It's an, yeah, it's a infrastructure. They. Mm. Layun, the 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 woman in charge of the club, is she was a, a financial consultant for years and years to Peter Lim Investments in um, in Singapore and uh, also in the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, and she was pretty good on that. But she's trying to apply a strictly financial approach um, to a football club, and it doesn't work that way. Um, She was dealing with uh, commerce and food industries, and now she's in charge of uh, of Valencia. <laughs> it, it, it is a very specific type of industry. Football is very different from 
uh, other industries. And uh, she clearly doesn't have a clue. The mind boggles. Yeah. But in more positive news, Yere Alvarez made his comeback last weekend. True. And it was on International Cancer Awareness Day. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I didn't, I, I, I'm just uh, realizing that uh, right now. Right, so six weeks after undergoing treatment for testicular cancer, Yere is back. That's lovely to see, isn't it? It is. And it uh, has been a very important um, element in the athletic team, and they've been quite inconsistent. So this is uh, another boost to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they're talking about losing some players in, in summertime. It's, it's a normal thing for them because uh, they're an academy team. They groom players, they sell players, they make money. This is the way the way they roll. Um, but it, it is uh, a very good mojo for, for Atletic. Okay, back to the bad news. Uh, Real Madrid did not play, <laughs> but they did throw their toys out of the pram. And according to Marca, have proposed a new European league. Mm, not again. Do, ah. do you want to start with that? I mean... Okay. This is nonsense. Why? 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 They already make so much money. They already have enough money to buy 10 bales if they wanted to. Why? Why do they need a European league with, with more money? Because that's that's the main reason behind mm. it. Money. Um, it's like they don't realize that... that Fans, you know, fans are very, they're not normal consumers. They're very, very emotional consumers. Just like you said, football is a very different industry. And you can't look at your fans as consumers. They're emotional humans. They love the history of the club. They identify with the club. Most of them are from a city, uh, from the city that the club plays in. So they identify with with everything, the structure, the everything. And so... It just doesn't make any sense. And playing those small games against, you know, teams from various parts of Spain, that's what constitutes being a part of a, you know, Real Madrid fan. Right. And it, it separates, you know, it separates the big teams from the small teams. It's great for the small, smaller mm. clubs to get to see these bigger clubs. Um, and it's great for the bigger clubs fans because they usually win against the smaller clubs and everyone likes winning. That's why you play sports mostly. Um and another thing is that football in Europe, at least, is is very inclusionary, right? You you work your way up. It's it's a merit based system, um, and they're trying to change that and turn it into a closed system, much like the MLS mm-hmm. in America. And to me, it just it it goes against everything that football is built on or has been built on for the past whatever hundred years. Right, and it spoils the treat of European football. Yeah, yeah. So it's pie in the sky, Andre. It's not going to happen, is it? I don't know if it's not. I I cannot answer that that question. Uh, I, what I do know is that for years and years, I'm I'm sick and tired of uh, seeing and listening to some nonsense coming from the big teams, like the the big big teams in Europe. Uh, in order, instead of trying to make uh, their leagues better, they're just trying to uh, make more money. And in in the expense of everyone else, and and the they they know they're big, but they are big because there are a lot of other clubs are surrounding them, and the the lack of respect from the big big clubs towards every single one surrounding them is unbelievable. And this super league thing is like the cherry on the top of uh, the the respectful the respectful cake that um, this. Um, it's unbelievable. 
They're just there's no motivation behind no sport sports motivation or sporting motivation behind the Super League, not at all. It's That's... just just a matter of making more money and selling um, TV rights for more money because they see that a uh, Real Madrid Leganés is not as expensive as a Real Madrid. Uh, Bayern. It's disrespectful to it's everybody that. involved in football except for the top people at clubs and the TV people. I'm sensing both of you are not behind this European league. <laughs> <laughs> What a surprise. Not at all. But in this case in particular, it, it looks a lot like like bluffing coming from, from Madrid. Right, well explain, explain what happened, why I mean, this all came about because the Real Madrid game got cancelled at the weekend, right? Yeah. What, uh, so, what happened there? They were supposed to play at uh, Balaidos in mm -hmm. uh, uh, north. Yeah, yeah. In, in Galicia. Mm -hmm. And there was a um, storm, yeah. like a really big storm. It rained a lot. Two people died. Yeah. Um, there, are, uh, there were some um, um, cities without power for hours and hours. Mm -hmm. um, The stadium was affected by the winds, and though there were winds um, of 120 kilometers per hour. Yeah, you mean, sorry to interrupt you for a second. Some flights were delayed or cancelled, and some uh, it, it was it was uh, you know the, yeah. the the classic storm. It happened. It was it was a big big storm in Galicia. 80 liters of water fell per square meter. So you have the numbers. That's that's uh, that helps a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, the uh, mayor of Vigo decided to uh, cancel the match. I presume uh, he's responsible for it. He's responsible for the stadium. It's a municipal, it's a municipal stadium. stadium. Right. So he decided, okay, the stadium is not good enough to host the match, so I, we should cancel this. It's, it's a safety... Uh, a, Safety for safety reasons, basically. Yeah. Let's let's cancel the match, and he announced that around 1 p.m. Mm -hmm. and on Saturday, uh, on Saturday, and the and, game was Sunday. Exactly, and for hours and hours, no one said anything. I'm talking about Madrid, Celta, and also uh, the league, the, the responsible from for, for the, from the league, which is kind of weird if you, if you ask me. Uh, if the the mayor uh, asks for a cancellation of something. And he says we're not going to have a match on this stadium because there's there's no safety measurements, uh, and and everyone just decided not to say anything. It's really weird. Uh, so um, they decided to travel from Madrid to uh, Vigo in order to to play the match. And uh, after the referee gets to the the stadium, and we're talking about a big delay. I think I think the referee. Uh, The referee was late because his, his plane was delayed. Of course, but because, because of the storm. Because of the storm. Mm -hmm. uh, so th the referee said, "Okay, uh, we cannot uh, have a match happening. Uh, so we we're going to postpone this." Yeah. And and uh, people in Madrid went bananas. So they of course think this is a conspiracy. They think because that's is how a Spanish football works. Because because Celta had half of the team injured or unavailable. They play um, today. The Copa del Rey uh, mm -hmm. against uh, Alaves. So the, for for Madrid, this is perfect because they they get to rest some some players and they have like four days between matches. So they're going to play uh, um, uh, Alaves and they they get to get some extra days of, of resting. And also, this is going to be the second postponed match for for Madrid because they have already won with Valencia. And until the end of the season, there is no 
place for another uh, match. It, yeah. it is true. There is no place. I, I was checking. And until the end of the season, mm -hmm. if Madrid stays um, in the Champions League, and I think that most most people expect them to go uh, at least until the semifinal, there is no no, no space available for, for uh, another match. So they're going to have to extend the league. They're talking about that. Yeah. That... that uh, um, It's, that, that's an option. It happened, if I'm not mistaken, 10 years ago. Exact yes, same reasons. Yes, Another postpo happened. postponed match. And, uh, yeah. So um, people are really mad at, at, uh, at Madrid and they're making this a political um, problem. Of course they are. It's Spain and it's football. <laughs> right. that's, that's how it so works. So they're saying that the mayor is um, trying to uh, somehow... Have they uh, accused him of being a Barcelona fan yet? No. Okay. But they're saying that that's, that's it, next on the list. They're trying to um, be influential on the on the on the, on the league. Okay. <laughs> so there's no there was no game for them. There's no Euro League for them. But is there going to be a Sergio Aguero for them? Because he has been linked with the club. And we've got a question from a listener, Carl Lucas Duramat. If Sergio Aguero leaves Manchester City will he stay in the Premier League or go somewhere else asking this now because there has been links with him in Manchester City what does anybody think Aguero uh, it's a good question um, he's he hasn't played or I mean he has played he hasn't started recently because yeah. of 19 year old Gabriel uh, Jesus is that how yeah. you pronounce it yeah Jesus All right, I'm sticking with Jesus 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 okay. um, and um Yeah, you know, God forgives, Jesus doesn't. <laughs> um, no, so th this this 19 year old Brazilian kid, amazing, three goals, three starts, two assists, uh, keeping Aguero out the side, and okay, that's normal. You go with the foreign player, but then Aguero makes some comments saying, you know, I'll try and help the team for the next three months, and then we'll see in the summer. We'll see what the team wants to do with me or the club wants to do with me. A little strange. You know, maybe he's not happy that he isn't starting every game, which is fine. But um, I think City would be stupid to sell him. He's the best player in the Premier League when he's on form. And I mean, if you look back at when they won the league for the first time, they had Dzeko, they had um, Balotelli, Aguero and Tevez. Mm -hmm. Four, at that time, world-class strikers. Except for Balotelli. Except for, but he, people thought he was going to be world-class and he... Yeah. Yeah. He was, I mean, in for theory, a, in theory. As, okay, that, that's an argument for another day. As okay. a fourth, yeah. as a fourth rung striker, he was too good to be fourth rung striker. Anyway, um, they had those four strikers. Now they have Iannaccio, who has disappeared for reasons we can discuss later. Um, <laughs> and they've got um, Gabriel Jesus. I'm going to go with Jesus as well. Uh, and Aguero. <laughs> so they they have two and a half strikers basically. Um, so I think they'd be stupid to sell him. They have a lounge in Manchester City called the 92.03 lounge. Is it 92.03? The, the, For the time the he league, named the after the title. time he scored. And that, which just kind of sums up how much he actually means to the club. He's probably the m most influential player uh, at City in the last 10 years. Him and Torre, I would say. Yeah. But... Here's the rub. I think, and I have thought this for a while, and I wish I had said it in the podcast earlier, that he's going to go in the summer. I think Pep is going to get rid of him. Oh, I, my reasons, my reasons for this. He's not a Pep player, right? He's not like Pep loves his players to be me. able to do. No, no, no. Okay, okay. Pep, Pep loves <laughs> his players to be able to do two or three different things. I'm currently reading that Pep Confidential by Marty Perna. I'm, I'm learning all about him. It's great. Aguero. <laughs> 
is basically an organism with one goal in life, and that is to put the ball in the back of the net. He's not great at shutting down. He's not great at that high tempo pressing that that Pep loves from his sides. You know, I I, I just I could see, like I think Aguero is brilliant, but I could see why Pep might get rid of him. I, 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 I agree with you. Uh, tell me a striker that uh, Pep Guardiola loves, deeply loves. Lewandowski. Probably the only one. Possibly and, and it's been one. around for a while. Yeah. Uh, but we, he has problems with strikers. He has a serious problem with strikers. Mm-hmm. and uh, It's his ego. It's, it's Pep's ego. Because if you look at a team, the striker is the quarterback, right? He is... He's not always the best player, but okay. he is the goal getter. He's the guy who scores the goal. He's the guy who has all the glory. And Pep, in my opinion, can't share that glory with anyone else. And that's why he gets rid of the striker. <laughs> that's, that's a very interesting theory. I don't think that it's it's an ego thing. I think it, it has a lot to do with uh, with the, the, the as you, as you mentioned the high pressure. Uh, that lo- Pep loves and the thing that he wants to see a player doing a lot of things on, on the pitch. He he likes a complete player in every single position, which in my opinion, it's, it's a wrong reading of the game because you don't need complete players in every single position in, in, uh, in the game in order to win the game. Um, sometimes you just need a very basic and practical guy uh, up front. It worked. It worked for, for years and years in some teams. Um, if you look back in years and you remember Gerd Müller, for instance, mm-hmm. he was one of the greatest strikers ever and he wasn't particularly complete, but he was a great finisher, a great header, um, in spite of being, I think, 178. So yeah, he was not a tall. very tall guy mm-hmm. and he was a great finisher uh, with every single part of his body. And uh, Gerd Müller wouldn't play with, with Pep Guardiola. Imagine that you have a guy like Gerd Müller, he wouldn't play. Pep signing Ibrahimovic back in Barcelona was almost uh, an admittance that he needed uh, an, another way, another route. Yeah, still. And, uh, and you, look you, how he was phased Exactly, out. exactly. Yeah. So there are a lot of problems there with strikers. Do you think he'll Aguero will stay? As as uh, Fab said, uh, I think it would be a huge mistake to to let, let him go. go. Who are you going to replace him with? That's the question. And how much are you going to get for him, or who can afford him? And, and Lionel team, Messi, of course. A, a, a team, a team might like like City if if they want to win trophies in England and also in Europe. You need more than two strikers. Mm. Way more than two strikers. Yep. You need a, a big squad. Did either of you know much about uh, Jesus before before he joined City? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> you, mean, well, you mean, I mean Gabriel Jesus? I mean Gabriel, not the historical right. figure from the Bible. I mean, I knew he, he was young and expensive and Brazilian, mm-hmm. and that combination <laughs> doesn't always work out, especially yeah. in England. See Robinho um, for further details. Anderson at United Anderson as well. Anderson as well. Uh, yeah. God bless his heart. Uh, different uh, position. <laughs> No, of course. But I, I, I still think that uh, Anderson was partially destroyed by Alex. Ferguson. Oh, that's an, that's another argument from another day. <laughs> uh, we're, yeah, we're talking about because, we're because, talking about Jesus because <laughs> I, I I saw Anderson playing in Brazil. I saw Anderson playing in Portugal for several years, and the the Anderson became a completely different player when he moved to to Man United, and he was 
because of Ferguson. Well, he was never a defensive midfielder. Never. Let's, let's leave it at that. Jesus? Yeah, like I said, I, I knew those three things about him. <laughs> um, but, I mean, obviously very positively impressed and surprised by uh, his performances. And, yeah, City did some good business. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. business my... is a booming. Okay. Yeah, it, it was one of the best players at, at Palmeiras when they, they won the league. and um, oh, He was a star of that team, wasn't he? He was really? a star. One, yeah. yeah, one of the stars, I would say. And uh, uh, lately, we've been seeing a lot of great players coming from, from um, teams um, in, in Brazil. Uh, with a lot of talent going straight to Middle East or straight to China. And uh, I was afraid that something like that might happen to Jesus. But fortunately, he decided to go to Europe and he picked, I, I think, a great club to, to develop himself. Okay, so he, uh, Jesus has been impressive, but less impressive has been Leicester. Fabio, you watched their game at the weekend against United? Yes, I did. And you've been looking into their demise this season? I have, Do and you I've found... care to share your research with the listeners? Yeah, I found some interesting stats. Go for it. And um, I think you can pin their demise, if, you, if that's what you want to call it, to three, three or four things. One being that um, the squad isn't as consistent or isn't used as consistently as last year. Last year, I, I think Ranieri used 18 players to win the league. They've already used 24 now, and it's only been 24, 20-something-odd games. Mm -hmm. um, Which would suggest he doesn't know his best team. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Obviously, big players left, big signings came in. It's it's hard to gel that quickly, but um, yeah, he definitely doesn't know his best 11. Um, then another thing, and most of it actually has to do with Ranieri, is the, the man management side. I think that he has failed catastrophically in managing this side. Um, I believe that there were several times against United, he brought on two subs at halftime. That's two out of three subs at halftime with 45 minutes left to play. That just shows everyone that he got it completely wrong in terms of tactical setup and, and just picking the players, man management. Then there's the whole, the fighting spirit. We were talking about it with Valencia. It doesn't look like Leicester's fighting anymore. When, when they were on that title run, yes, in public, they were saying, oh, you know, there's a few games left. Uh, we're only five points ahead, whatever. They were taking it easy because it was a new territory for them. But this season, there's not that same fight on the pitch that they had last season where it's like they, they took the game by the scruff of its neck and Vardy just banged in three goals. Vardy's only scored five goals so far. He's been really, really bad. But I think that's also because defenses have realized how to shut him down. Mm -hmm. um, whereas last year, he was he was a new player to them mm -hmm. almost uh, just on form and you play on form. Also, you, you can spot a lot of players uh, clearly demotivated. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it is something that happens quite a lot uh, when a um, not a big club wins something or become becomes like a, a serious contender to a title. Uh, in this next season, the, the egos are bigger than the club itself. And they they should have they should have sold Vardy, Mari. Uh, they sold Kante because it was impossible to to keep him. And but these these names they're not bringing anything this season. Maris I, certainly is. Well, I don't think I absolutely don't think, not. I don't think they should have. They sold should them. they should have sold him, scored the money, invest their money in new guys. They don't uh, need willing, money. Willing willing to do something for the club. 
because Mare and Vardy are just just there because yeah we're playing the Champions League that's quite all right but apart from that no motivation at all that, but but that comes back to Ranieri I think and and managing those expectations not letting them get out of control and telling his players listen last year was incredible you're never for, gonna forget it in your life but it was a fluke or or not a fluke but like but you, a, a shock freak thing that happened i don't think they should have sold vardy or marais you can, they you don't can, need the money because they play in the premier league and they play you, in the champions league you can control but you need to you need to you need to control these players you expectations I it's think impossible. I think you can, and and he should he could it, have done a better job doing that. I tell you, I tell you why you can't, because there are a lot of crazy media out there, and it doesn't matter how how big and trustworthy is your manager, and how cozy and warm is going to be next to you, telling the right thing to your ear, because in the end they're going to listen to the crazy media out there, and they're going to think. Shit, man! What mm. am I doing at Leicester? I could have, I could have been playing for a big club in England, and I'm playing for Leicester. With all due respect, well, the big, the big thing as well is Kante. I mean, Kante basically allowed Huth and uh, Wes Morgan to stay deeper than what the positions that they've been pulled into. You saw it against United, Huth got completely pulled out of position, and uh, Mkhitaryan, who was to skip by him, I believe, and then he also allowed Drinkwater to just concentrate on you know, passing and, you know, stuff to drink water does quite well. But if you look at stats... But that's, and and that, that's also... And so he was just literally the key to the entire team and losing him has affected them going forward and in defence. But it, it's not about stats. It's it's To me, it, it's all about man management. Yes, you can have one player who lets his expectations get out of hand. See Sir Alex Ferguson with uh, David Beckham when he got too big for United or for Ferguson's liking... He got kicked out. Yes, you can do that with one player, but you don't do that with with all of them, or you don't allow that to happen with all of them. And that it that's wouldn't my be, biggest it wouldn't gripe. be all. It would be uh, the guys who were key last season. And where does that I, leave I you then? Mare and Jamie Vardy and Kante. These okay, three well, should they should have been sold. All of this leads us to the the thorny question of whether or not Ranieri should should get the sack. I personally think he should go. You do? I think he should. Okay. Justify your answer. Well, <laughs> Leicester aren't playing well. Leicester are in the relegation zone. Leicester need a change. They're not in a relegation zone. Well, they're, they're close to... They're, in, they're not in the relegation zone. That is true. But they're in a relegation... They're in a relegation fight. Oh, now, should they sure. lose to Swansea, who are on the up on their Clement at the weekend, then they're really in the shit. And I... Renier, I, I agree with Fab. I think it has been a, a lot of man management problems there and managing expectations at the club. And he's failed to do that. Now, I see that he did brilliant stuff last year and I can't take that away from him, but that's last year. And to me, okay. to me, he's got to go. What about you, Fab? I think he should only go if they get relegated. I think what he did last year, he deserves the respect and the time to fight against relegation and try to keep them up. I think even if they do get relegated, they personally, I think it would be okay to fire him, but I think it would still be the wrong decision because so many times you think, oh, there needs to be a change. 
but and then they get a new manager and it doesn't work well or something like that you need you need stability especially when you're going from the first league to the second league and i think keeping the manager is important so if they sack him wait till they're relegated i still don't think they should even with all the players not playing for him <laughs> Because there's there's rumors and rumors of dressing room unrest, and they're not coming from anywhere. That's They've basically lost respect that's, right. That's basically agents or players um, briefing journalists well, off the record. Well, then Ranieri has to sack up and just smack him around a bit because <laughs> because he just won the Premier League with. Leicester. I know. I he know. won the Premier League. Yes, they scored the goals and whatever, but he won the Premier League with them. They need to show him the respect he deserves. And that comes back to the whole man management thing. Um, so, yes, it is a huge problem, but because of what he did, I think the club needs to respect him and okay. let him stay in okay. the quick, quick answer because. My opinion about this old Leicester situation would be last season, Ranieri won the league. He should have called it a day. He should have resigned from a position of manager and uh, maybe retired, considering retiring. He should have learned from Philip Lamb, retire at the top. Exactly. You won the Premier League with Leicester. Nothing beats that. Just retire and leave forever as a legend. Then the next year, we all know, it's not going to be as good as, as the, 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 the league title won. So he should have retired last season. Okay. Well, what about now? I think I think they should sack uh, Ranieri also. Okay, some sensible thoughts from the One Football <laughs> Podcast. Okay, that's all we have time for today. My thanks to Andre Fab and our producer Damien. Oh, and of course Nico. How could I forget Nico, who joined us at the top of the show? Remember, wherever you are in the world, please go to your local iTunes store, give us a rating, and please leave a comment to let us know what you think. Thanks for listening.